Good evening and welcome to the Repertoire Happy Hour for uh, July. Um, well, it's it's June, but we're, we're getting ready for July of, of 2021. And tonight we are celebrating Canadian band music and Canadian repertoire and Canadian composers. And I'm delighted to be joined by three uh, fantastic Canadians tonight. <laughs> uh, I must say, this is going to be strange. This is the first repertoire happy hour that we've done without my friend Gail Brechting uh, tonight. But uh, I know Gail will be back next month when we'll be talking about all things marches. And we might have to bring back one of our guests, yeah. John Phillips, just for that one as well. Um, so let me introduce, introduce um, some of our, our guests tonight. Um, firstly, you might recognize uh, them from my uh, recent interview with them um and uh, and i was appeared on their podcast as well we are introducing the band room podcast back to the global band room network of podcasts <laughs> tonight let me start with dylan rook maddox dylan hi how are you good to see oh, you again yeah good nice to see the, the band rooms unite again this is great <laughs> i'm i'm doing well uh it's the day after my second vaccine shot so um to be honest there's a blanket on my lap right now because i'm having some effects um but i'm sure that this medicine will make everything better. So uh, <laughs> happy to be here with you. And I must say, uh, no offense to my esteemed colleagues and friends, but I am a little disappointed uh, I don't get to meet Gail. So Gail, if you're listening, I look forward to the day. I look forward to the day. <laughs> well, listen, uh, Gail is the best networker that I know. So um, I am sure that it's only a matter of time before she knows who you are, what you do and why she should know you. Um, so um, now, uh, Gail, uh, sorely missed tonight. Uh, so um, and co-host and uh, composer uh, Kate Nishimura is with us uh, as well tonight. Uh, Kate, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks. It's nice to see you again. It's great to see you, and it's great actually because I don't think we've actually had a composer we uh, on the on, on the podcast yet where we actually get to talk about their music as well on on the show. Uh, and I know we all we all select music. Uh, Kate didn't select her own music tonight, but Dylan and John have some selections tonight to talk about Kate's music. <laughs> so it'll be fantastic to get some of your insights on that as well, Kate. Sure. And then also um, a previous guest on the podcast and on the Finding Drum Corps podcast as well, um, friend and uh, DCI judge administrator, band director and musician extraordinaire, John Phillips. John, hi, how are you? I'm great, Keith. I I have to apologize to Gail. I'm a poor substitute, but I really appreciate uh, We were talking on another series of, of podcasts you were doing a few weeks ago, and, and you threw the invitation, and I, I just jumped at it. First of all, to see these friends I haven't seen for a while, and uh, also to share my perspectives on, on what we're going to be talking about, which is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm currently living in the United States, but uh, Canada is my home, and I get back there as often as possible. And like the rest of the world, I haven't been able to do that very often in the last year and a half. Well, uh, this is the first time that I've got to speak to you in a uh, podcast setting about concert band music and repertoire. Uh, I know we've we've talked a lot um, off air about those sort of things, but uh, normally when we talk, uh, when we have a recording going, it's all about marching and drum corps. And so it's actually been great to 
uh, have you on here today to to talk about um, repertoire and this side of things. Um, so let's get started with um, our first round of conversations tonight and talking a little bit about what we are drinking tonight. Uh, I'm having a, a White Haze IPA. It's at O'Hara's. O'Hara's is a brilliant brewing company here in Ireland, and they do all sorts of different flavored um, pale ales and IPAs. And, um, and this is a fruity cocktail it's still summertime i know i had i had a, a fruity sort of pale ale last month as well but uh I, I i think it suits this is the first time that it's actually still been bright while i've actually done this podcast nice. so <laughs> i had to go for something a little bit lighter tonight um uh, dylan what are you drinking tonight well i am currently coming to you from sudbury ontario uh which is i don't know if it's the mining capital of ontario but certainly we are famous for our nickel mines here um, also, uh, a, a city of lakes. We have almost uh, over like, hundreds of lakes here, and those were caused by meteors that came down, and, and that's also why we have all the nickel here. Um, so uh, I'm telling you all of this because <laughs> um, my uh, beer is a uh, from Stack Brewing, and the stacks here are these kind of super stacks that, that are cooling um, mining things that I don't know about. So I'm not going to try to explain it. Um, but uh, I, it's my favorite brewery and I'm drinking uh, Expansion. It's a sour IPA. Um, and then just in case, just in case, don't think ill of me. Uh, I have another one. Uh, and it's called, uh, it's, uh, it's called Saturday Night and there's nothing, uh, there's no great story to it. It's just Saturday. Hey, it's Saturday night. It's Saturday night in Ireland, at least, anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, some of the clips that I've um, cut tonight are a little bit longer than in previous episodes, so you might need that second. Uh, <laughs> second <laughs> Kate, how about you? Uh, you uh, are you having anything special tonight? I am. Well, I'll show you the can, even though I'm drinking it from a glass. Um, so this is KW Craft Cider. Uh, KW stands for Kitchener-Waterloo, which is the region that I live in. And this is a wild cherry cider. Um, so like to support local when I can. And it's summery and refreshing. So, yeah. I, I looked for something Canadian uh, over the last day or two, and I couldn't find anything. But there is a Canadian beer here. Uh, is it just called Canadian? Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's Molson it's, Canadian, technically. It's it's kind of a, a cheaper lager, so yeah. I, I I stayed Irish tonight. You know, I couldn't find anything fancy. Um, I think you guys do beer better than we do, anyway. <laughs> well, I was looking into cocktails as well, and there was something that required cremato juice. And it, I, is that some sort of is that some sort of tomato? Is a, that just the same as tomato juice? It's a pretty Canadian thing. It's clam juice okay. and tomato juice. Oh, okay, yeah. so it wouldn't have worked with just tomato juice. Okay, uh, you could. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. Well. So. Um, uh, yeah. It was. I think it was a bloody Caesar. I think was the name of this. Yeah. That's a pretty Canadian drink. Is that right? Okay. I think so. All right. Well. Well. Maybe I can try. Well, it when put I some get maple there. syrup in there. We're good to go. <laughs> Is there any maple syrup based drinks? We have uh, various maple whiskeys. I know. Mm -hmm. yeah. And people really, use maple syrup good. to sweeten like cocktails and stuff like that too. Hmm. That sounds really, really, really good. Um, John, how, how about you? Um, are you drinking anything Canadian down there in Florida? Not, uh, well, I was going to try, I was going to make myself a bloody Caesar. Um, and I thought I'd do something a little different. So I did wear my Canadian shirt, as you can see. Uh, and, you know, down here in Florida, you, it's really hard to find Canadian beer. And I really don't like Canadian beer unless it's craft beer. <laughs> Yeah. I'm a little snobby about my beer. I, I, like if I went to Sudbury, I'd want to have 
Sudbury or if I go to KW, I'd want to have that or Wellington County or something like that. Yeah. You know, I want before I tell you what I'm drinking, I, I did want to say, Dylan, you know, I, I did a band exchange many years ago, took school band up there and the host mm-hmm. said, oh, we're going to do the slag pouring. We're going to take the kids to see slag. I thought oh. we were going drinking. But um, <laughs> as it turns out, slag is not beer. It's um, it's the tailings that come off of the, the processing of the iron ore or whatever, the nickel that they do. And then late at night, they take these, Keith, it's fantastic. They take these train cars with all of this molten kind of lava stuff and they tilt them and it goes down a hill and and there's like this kind of like fireworks right don have you ever seen the slide pouring no i I haven't but christian overton who's a canadian composer and trombonist he's he's told me about it he's from here and he's like have you seen it really amazing you got to check it out so anyway uh what am i drinking keith in honor of you i have something and i don't know if you can tell who this do you know who this is it's do, do you know who the saint is? Yes, yeah, from Glendalough. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm going to give away my my ignorance here. Is it Saint Bridget? Saint Kevin. Saint Kevin. Saint okay, Kevin, a little known saint. I I did some research. Wicklow, <laughs> the area like made of Wicklow or something. Do you know that area? Wicklow is just south of, of Dublin, and Glendalough is an old monastery area just south south of that. Um, which is it's really really beautiful beautiful space. And I'm drinking it out of my Biden Harris glass. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so to to I'll just say because I'm Canadian, we're fairly liberal in our view. <laughs> uh, I'm having this one instead of my red MAGA hat on tonight. So. Well, there's even an Irish connection there. You know, Biden isn't uh, Biden's family's not far from uh, from where I live here. So <laughs> there's a West of Ireland connection there too. There you go. And in my family lineage, I have some Irish roots as well. So that's why I'm going with the Irish tonight. Excellent. And I know you have you have very strong friends here in Ireland. And if Danny Carroll is listening, uh, a big hello to Danny Carroll then as well. Um, so let's let's get started with our um, with our music. So tonight we're talking about Canadian band repertoire, music that's inspired by Canada potentially or by a Canadian composer or just some link generally with uh, Canada. But before we start that, uh, the Band Room podcast has just recently partnered with the Canadian Band Association. Um, Dylan and Kate, tell me a little bit about this. Tell me what it means for the podcast. Tell me what it means for the association and, and how a podcast and an association like this plan to work together. Um... Uh, I guess, do you mind if I take it, Kate? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we're very excited about this partnership. Um, the Canadian Band Association, uh, of course, is what it sounds like. It's our national band association. Um, and both Kate and I have benefited from their programming over our whole lives, be it the National Youth Band of Canada or be it various conducting symposiums or community band events or anything like that. So um, we're welcoming welcoming them on as our first kind of official sponsor, uh, which has been a great help to us to upgrade some of our uh, various recording softwares and to be able to do more and reach more people. Um, and it's also just really great for us as a, a podcast that is not maybe officially Canadian um, to promote uh, our Canadian composers, our conductors, performers, and and just the the offerings of the Canadian Band Association, especially now when everything's online, uh, a lot of people can benefit from a lot of the resources that um, the Canadian Band Association has to offer. So so yeah, that's it's a pretty exciting thing. 
Well, I'm sort of um, uh, brand new to a lot of the music from tonight. And you're absolutely right, um, Dylan. We live in this world where not only have we got the tools, because we've always had the tools for this online world, but now we, through um, uh, the last 15 or 16 months, we've now had to engage in that world. And we're all better at doing that. And so this world of composers and opportunities um is more open than it's ever been. And so um, I, I think there's some really exciting opportunities here tonight for people around the world and here in Ireland and in the USA to learn a little bit about composers that they may not have heard of and um, that they may not have programmed before. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that. So let's get started. Let's get started with maybe Kate. Um, we are going to start with our um, our beginner or easy selections for so roughly grade one to grade two although i know one or two of you have pushed that limit a little bit tonight uh, <laughs> let's get started with our easy selection and kate let's get started with you um some of the music that you're best associated with is at this level um and uh, i know i've recently programmed uh, bloom for my own band for for next year and i'm really looking forward to um to playing that with the band next summer um tell me a little bit about the um, writing at this level, and um, we talked a little bit about this on on the Global Bandroom podcast, and um, the importance of writing music that is meaningful for young people. Um, because you know, I asked Darcy uh, Williams at the on the last podcast, uh, beginner band music wasn't always as good as it is now. Yeah, I think we're living in a you know the golden age of beginner band music now. It's amazing stuff out there, and and Kate, you're you're certainly associated with that. So tell me a little about writing at this level and and, and what it is about this level that you enjoy writing for. Yeah, for sure. Well, firstly, thank you so much for choosing to program one of my pieces for next year. That's really meaningful to me. And I remember the days when I first started out as a full time composer and. I printed out this map of North America and I started coloring in provinces and states as I found out about performances of my music in various places. And at some point I had to expand to the whole world because my music started to you know, be performed in more places. And uh, I don't know of any performances in Ireland. So this is a big deal for me. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, it's an absolute honor. And it's a beautiful piece. And if anyone out there hasn't heard Bloom, they really should um, go and have a listen to it and consider programming it. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I personally love writing for this level. I think that students at this level are just so much fun to work with. Uh, for people who may not know this, I was actually a middle school band teacher band director for a little while before transitioning into you know the full-time composing career that I have now so this is kind of the age group um, that is really close to my heart personally and I think that students at this level just have so much curiosity and willingness to try things that we really ought to be giving them opportunities to be creative and to try new things so I think as a composer I have you know a lot of ways that I'm able to do that. And because I was a teacher first, I'm always thinking about how I can educate through the music that I create. So teaching things like six, eight time, but in a really well prepared kind of way or one key signature shift in the middle, but it's the exact same content, melodic content, harmonic content from before. It's just we've plopped it into a new key so that students can practice uh, using things that they have already learned and already kind of mastered, but in a different key signature. So 
things like that. Uh, I, I feel like it's a really good opportunity to uh, cover a lot of ground musically at this level. And um, we can talk more about this as we go on through this conversation, but things like social emotional learning are kind of a, a buzz right now in the educational world, um, looking for ways to teach students and communities about more than just music, but using music as a platform to, um, you know, look at things like emotional maturity and expression and maybe uh, interdisciplinary connections and things like that. So I, I think writing at this level is just so much fun. There's endless things to do with it. Um, that's my perspective anyway. And I know we we spoke in the last podcast about the importance of that sort of content, not just for young people, because not all um, not all junior bands playing uh, grade one to two music are made up of of young people. Uh, and there's many, many bands around the world made up of adults and adult beginners and the New Horizon movement. Yeah, and absolutely. All of these groups that um, want mature, emotionally mature music. And I think your music is a great example of that. And, and well, so, you. you know, we talk about the, sort of this level, grade one to two. I never call it junior music you know it's it's beginner or easier music um uh, but certainly not not junior as such because you know there's nothing about what you write here that i would ever consider junior um uh, so um i want to just thank you for 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 the music that you write and put into the world um it's i was fascinated to see who who you would pick and what piece you would pick um <laughs> at this level actually uh so um, tell us a little bit about your selection tonight sure so i chose a piece by robert buckley it's called where mountains touch the sky. And uh, as I mentioned in that whole spiel about choosing music that uh, has a little bit more emotional maturity kind of content to it. So this piece is listed as a uh, grade two, but it sounds a lot more mature than the grade level listed. Um, I really love pieces that offer an opportunity for like I said, emotional growth and learning. Um, and I think it has a really nice uh, combination of rhythmic ostinato kind of sections plus lyrical lines, beautiful melodic uh, content. I also really like that this piece features melody in not only the upper voices, but throughout the ensemble. And I think um, from experience working with groups at this level, uh, there's a lot of whole notes going on for uh people playing, you know, low brass, low woodwinds and things like that. So I think this piece does a really good job at uh, offering engaging, interesting opportunities for the entire ensemble. Um, there are four percussion parts. Uh, it's, it's in the key of B flat, but there's a lot of accidentals. So lots of opportunities to kind of uh, introduce new things. And uh, Robert Buckley and I met um, in British Columbia when I was doing a residency with a school and uh, we were lucky enough to be in town at the same time and so we did this uh, combined composer Q&A with a massive group of students and so they got to ask us questions and the two of us composers answered the same set of questions in different ways and so uh, I, I wanted to just take this uh, chance to also mention him as a composer. I thought that that was a really cool opportunity. He's really good at working with students as well. Well, this is um, Where the Mountains Touch the Sky by Robert Buckley.
Oh, I really love that uh, that that section there where the clarinets come in at the at the end. It's just it, you know, it's an absolutely beautiful piece that I wasn't um, that I wasn't familiar with before. Uh, is it a piece that uh, anybody has had an opportunity to work with here um, with their bands, Dylan? Uh, I don't know about about and, John, but this is probably one of my most clinicked and adjudicated <laughs> pieces in Canada. What I was going <laughs> to say, I hear this <laughs> when I'm adjudicating festivals all the time, Dylan, and you you know. How many, well, what's great about it, and Kate, you set it up beautifully, it, it, it conceptually can teach so many wonderful things to young musicians. The challenge is that a lot of groups approach music like this, but haven't quite physically prepared themselves to do it. You know, yeah. it's not a technical challenge, it's a physical thing. And one of the things that I, I really espouse is, is just the use of, of the air. You know, and you talk about social emotional, I mean, to be emotional, you have to use your air. I mean, you have to, it's your voice, right? And and I think that's one of the things that young bands really struggle with. Well, I don't want to dominate the conversation here, but I think that's the challenge. And we, we you set it up too again, Kate, that you know, finding music that's appropriate. Um, it's not always about the technical side, it's about producing the sonic um you know the correct voice on your instrument and dylan you probably find that when you go into the clinic room there's all kinds of interesting sounds in the group yeah and i, I think with this this piece in particular and i talk about this on the podcast a lot but i'm obsessed with our why and why we're doing it and i think this piece really offers an opportunity for even you know little kids to um really connect with the music and to have a like a real musical moment where chills go up your spine and all of that um so yeah it's, it's a great it's a great piece the thing that i i will often do it, with a with young even young bands is try to get them to sing part of the melody and and i trick them i don't say let's <laughs> sing this everybody say this and and i'll say a note and then they'll say it at pitch you know whatever concert f they'll say it at pitch and then we'll so now say this and i learned this trick from elliot del borgo who some of your American audience is definitely going to know. But, you know, I saw him work with a band that was really struggling to get some sort of tonal center. And he went up and he said, everyone say one. And they all said one. He did it at concert B Flappish. And he goes now, one, two, three, four, five. And they did that. And the next thing you know, they're singing. And they're singing melodies. And what a beautiful tune to, to sing to. I think this, this piece is so wonderful. And Bob Buckley's fantastic composer. Yeah. I think this is a good example as well of just, like you said, Keith, um, it's not just young musicians that are looking for music at this level. This would be something that would work so well with a community band or even a, a high school or college band that's getting back into things, you know, after a year of not playing together and things like that. This is the kind of music that really serves that purpose as well. Because, you know, with community band, I think, um, and, you know, we do this uh, in Balance Slow, we, we over-program sometimes because we're trying to connect emotionally with something. Um, and so we end up over-programming because we can't find content that has that emotional moment that we're looking for, or that, that spine-tingling moment, uh, as, as, as Dylan put it. And, and I think in the clip there, we just heard one of those moments. Uh, and so it's fantastic to be able to pick a piece of music that is appropriate the pitched at the beginner um that gives them that moment regardless of their 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 age or or ability um so and i mean that brings us on to talking a little bit about kate's music which is fantastic uh, and maybe we'll start with john um with this um uh, so it was 
you know, it was no surprise that both Dylan and John included pieces by Kate tonight. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm delighted that that's the case. Uh, John, can you tell me a little bit of the piece that you've picked for this? Well, let me tell you a little bit about Kate first. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> I want to do that too. Yeah, well, you know, she's so humble and she wouldn't tell you all of this. But uh, first of all, she attended uh, the high school that I used to teach at. Uh, she came, I think the you came a year after I left, maybe, Kate? Or yeah, we, so yeah. it was like the year you left, that following school year, I started yeah. grade nine. So yep. we just she, missed each other. <laughs> she played in the band, and my son was in the same band and his friends. And uh, and she played the bass clarinet, um, which, I mean, I think you might have also done clarinet, but you were like the okay. bass clarinetist, right? She was the anchor. I mean, you know, she was an incredible bass clarinetist. I mean. I know my friends who conducted there when I left, um, they would go to festival and the, and the adjudicators would comment on the ba wonderful bass clarinet player they had. I mean, that's how fantastic she was. So that's one little uh, tidbit. Um, and, you know, here, and everything in music is connected. So here's a, a I didn't know if you knew this, um, Kate, and Dylan, perhaps. There's a there's a, a another wonderful Canadian composer, uh, sadly passed a few years ago by the name of Harry Friedman. And Harry's daughters uh, were music musicians and music teachers. And his one daughter, Lori, is a professional bass clarinetist out yep. in Manitoba. Uh, and Lori does a lot of modern um, contemporary music, but uh, she's, you know, she's made a whole career out of being a bass clarinetist. And Keith, I know you're a clarinetist. So this is, I hope these stories are uh, resonating with you as well. Fascinated. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that, you know, that's, that's that one connection. And I quickly want to say the connection for me, and that's why I chose music today that ha I have a personal connection with. I have a personal connection with Kate because she came to a summer camp where I was um, conducting one of the ensembles and she was assigned as my assistant to help with the band and so on. She was just terrific. And that's when you were really starting to pursue composition, Kate, I think. And you were yeah. thinking about this when you went to the University of Toronto. Um, but the Harry Friedman story is that um, he was the first person I ever brought as a composer in the classroom to my high school. I was teaching at the Markham District High School at the time. And his daughter, um, uh, Cindy, was uh, teaching with me. She was on the fac faculty of music uh, team that we had. And she said, why don't you get my dad to come? And I said, he'll never come here. And, and he did. And he was unbelievable to have this icon. Uh, he, Harry wrote um, a lot of orchestral music. He, he did write a few band pieces. And, and, you know, when you talk about people like that writing for young band, it was usually all very difficult. <laughs> you know, it was way beyond their either technical or it was very transparent. You know, they were all on their own. There was one clarinet playing that part or one bassoon playing a part. But it was wonderful music, just maybe not accessible, like we've seen in the, the education market. I'm going to use that air quote market kind of thing because it is a bit of that but anyway bringing it all back to kate um it was just so uh, refreshing for me to know that you were going to pursue this uh, career and more recently to see that you know you went on a road trip you talked about coloring in the map i remember you know a few years ago when you went out to the west coast and you you know some of your music was being premiered and you got that opportunity it was just you were very unique in that regard, taking a huge risk to put yourself out there. So um, I want you to know, Kate, I'm very proud of all you've accomplished. And, and I hope that you are proud of where you're at. And you're, you're just beginning this journey. So that's so <laughs> incredible. Thank you, John. I really music. appreciate that. <laughs> okay, she didn't pay me a penny to say any of that. But um, So let's talk about this music. 
I, I found this really wonderful piece. It's, it's you know, when, when you have um, had a great meal or you've been at a concert and you've heard something and you want more. And I think that's what this piece is like. It's, it's, you probably can play the whole thing, Keith, because it's only a minute and a half or something, Kate. It's under two I, minutes. I, I clipped it slightly. <laughs> I wasn't well, sure whether Kate wanted me to play the whole thing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, if we're going to hear what she was describing in, in um, Robert Buxley's music about how um, the thematic material is it's not only played in a treble voice, it moves to the um, some tenor and bass voices uh, share in the, in the melodic material. But it's got a nice sense of simplicity at the beginning, just these um, you know, slowly rising scale patterns and then some rhythmic material on top. And it's a really great way to teach syncopated ideas because there's a little, little jazziness to it. There's a little um, syncopated uh, motif that's in there, um, but it's not anything that's complex. And it's something, you know, when we teach new concepts like this, I always like to think of them as being transferable skills. So once the kids have learned this, they can take that to another piece. They don't have to relearn these things. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Into the Blue, just a gorgeous piece. Um, Kate, I believe this was featured in a reading session at the Midwest Band and Orchestra Clinic a couple of years ago. What, do you remember what year that was? Is that that would have been year? That would have been 2018. 18, not in yeah. 19. Yeah, that, that was my first time hearing Kate, Kate's music as well. Was at that clinic? It was one of the service bands. It was, yeah. um, uh, I forget. It wasn't. It was like the Air Force Band. Okay. Uh, one, one of those bands. Yeah. A perfect title for the Air Force Band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last thing I want to say about Kate's music I, the, that I found where you're at at this point in your um, composing career, you base things a lot on imagery and a lot on um, using your imagination. And that's so great for young people to connect to. And when you talked about giving them a context, you know, so this is the kind of piece where you can, can do that. Again, coming back to when I do clinics, often I'll ask the students, well, what does this music, you know, we know what the title is, but think of a word that comes to mind about this piece. And it's always interesting to see the words that they come up with. And I, I know with Kate's music, it'll be a lot of things that connect to nature, that connect to uh, a feeling or a, a sensitivity to something. So um, I just think this is such a cool piece. I, I hope that um, it, I don't think technically it's out of the realm of even a, a young band that only has a modest uh, number of notes in their rep, you know, their scale patterns. I don't think it goes really high in any voice at all, does it, Kate? Nope. So <laughs> it's cool. I like it. Thank you. Well, this is Into the Blue by Kate Nishimura. Thank you. 
I think what's um, uh, what I really appreciate with that is that you've kept the percussionists busy with really good repertoire through that then as well. Um, so difficult when we have uh, young people that just want to play <laughs> um, and so many so so much youth band um, and, and, and easy music um, doesn't um, actually keep that keep those percussionists busy. So I actually love that there's this exciting driving percussion line in that music as well. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, honor bands and things like that tend to choose pieces like this that involve a lot of people, particularly in the percussion section. So I try to keep that in mind, too. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about Kate, Kate I was looking through your, your catalog of music, Kate, and uh, you have a lot of pop influences uh, as well in your music. And in fact, you, you have a pop song on Spotify, I noticed, too. <laughs> I uh, tell me a little bit about your, your, your pop influences in, in band music and, um, 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 and your, your experimentation in pop music, too. Sure. Yeah. So you could probably hear it in that piece, in that clip. Um, you know, the baseline of that piece really is just rooted in a pop song chord progression kind of a thing. And I, I like to um, put ideas like that into my pieces because I think it makes it sound familiar and relatable, um, especially to younger people. And uh, as much as there's so much value in, you know, music for music's sake and all these wonderful, you know, contemporary techniques that composers like to use, uh, I think there's something to be said about pleasing uh, the community at large. And so that includes parents and siblings and administrators and all the other kinds of people that are not musicians that are going to be listening to these performances. And if they can hear something in a piece that resonates with them, that's going to mean, you know, more support for the band program and things like that. So I started out as a songwriter before I was writing, you know, composing. When I was a teenager, I was writing songs and it was a really natural progression then when I started writing for larger ensembles and classical in quotes uh, music because I just kind of took what I was doing with songwriting and I just, you know, applied it for more voices, more instruments, more colors and textures and things like that. So it is intentional, but it also just comes naturally and is really fun for me. Well, I know certainly the the uh, piece Bloom that um, we'll be doing with the band, that was one of the reasons that I picked it was because I knew that the kids would relate with it um, and something that they 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 could um, play and enjoy and show off to their friends and uh, potentially when we go recruiting for the band even, that this is something that we can play that the, exactly. the kids will really, <laughs> um, really enjoy. Uh, let's talk a bit more of your music case. Uh, Dylan. <laughs> uh, well, before, before I, I, I talk about my uh, piece for Kate Nishimura Fest 2021. <laughs> um, uh, I want to add into that, that into the blue piece, we, I did it this year with the Cambrian College Wind Ensemble before I, well, while I was doing the podcast, I was also a professor uh, there. And um, the, one of the other aspects of it that's great is it has this kind of soaring into the blue melody, but it also has that repeated rhythmic stuff. Um, and for the musicians to really kind of uh, get outside of themselves and listen to each other is kind of one of the challenges of that and just to keep everything in time. So it's a really, it's a really wonderful thing. And as I'll say probably a thousand times and it's been recorded, um, Kate's music uh, offers opportunities for not just first trumpet, not just for first flute, not just for, although I am a first trumpet player, but still, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, the people who are traditionally maybe stereotyped as harmony machines or offbeat machines and those kind of things. So, so that's great. Um, and then 
uh, one last thing before I talk about Kate's piece, I, I said I would talk about my connection to John Phillips, so I have to say it. But as um, a young lad, and, and Kate, you may have been uh, one of these people as well, but I was a conducting fellow with the Dennis Wick Canadian Wind Orchestra. So I was working with uh, Julian McKay and Mark Hopkins. And um, part of that, for some reason this year, Mark Hopkins told me I had to be a volunteer for music fest canada and i said oh, mark i really don't want to do this i just don't want to do this like i'm i'm older i don't want to do it it's like okay well i'm gonna i'll find a really good gig for you so i was like oh okay so what he ended up doing was just because i was just starting my adjudicating career um is he put me on the adjudication table in niagara um so i would i had the pleasure of putting my headphones into different people's kind of recordings and i could hear everything they said and one of those people was Mr. John Phillips. <laughs> so I have uh, stolen my fair share of things from from John. He, little known to John, but <laughs> <laughs> so this I, was a I connection remember, that John wasn't aware of. <laughs> no, I, now I remember Dylan. He was fantastic. And the best thing is, it's a busy schedule. I mean, yeah. they go one group after the next, and he never got frazzled. You know, if the machines kind of didn't work. But uh, now I remember Dylan. That was yeah. that was a great festival. I really enjoyed. That was a great venue. Nothing things. like a festival in a, one of those nice conference rooms. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the only thing I did wrong was I, I don't know if the band's listening. Hopefully not. I put in their recording, like their CD. I put it in upside down so it didn't record. <laughs> and they probably just got a blank CD back. So if you're out there, I'm sorry. Um, that's all I have to say. But uh, it's just an honor to be here with you, John. Uh, Thank you. Uh, but other than that, I'll talk about um, Kate. Um, so I, I have chosen a piece by Kate. I was unaware that uh, John would pick a piece by Kate, but that's okay. Um, so I, I've picked it be not only because Kate is one of my dearest and closest friends, also we're both hosts of the podcast and all that, um, but as I mentioned before, um, just the opportunities that her music offers to students, to maybe just beginner players uh, is, is very important. Um, and my experience in kind of beginner land is is as a clinician is as a honor band conductor so i i had done bloom before as a guest of the halifax community band festival um, with their kind of their bottom group uh, and it was a great thing so i was kind of looking for something like that but um so i ended up picking a, a, one of her pieces called reflections uh, and this, this is where we're kind of pushing the limits it's a great two, maybe uh, 2.5, maybe 2.5. Um, so uh, so you can decide for yourself. But um, it was it was commissioned by the Minnesota Junior Wins. And if you check out the Minnesota Junior Wins, they have a very long list of new music that they have either been part of the consortium for or commissioned themselves. And it's, it's really a, an amazing thing. Um, but this piece uh, was written during that tour that John was talking about in 2018. And um, just to like blow your minds even more, that tour was a seven-week tour. That same year, I did a one-week tour of the Maritimes, and I was exhausted. So I don't even know how you did seven <laughs> weeks. But uh, so Oregon and then ending up in Alberta. And this piece, Reflections, was actually written during that time. And um, as you can imagine, a seven-week tour uh, offers many opportunities for reflection. So uh, much of this piece was written in various practice rooms of the institutions she was working with, be it as a guest conductor, working with her music, giving uh, lectures about her music, or uh, entrepreneurship, and all those things. So um, being able to meet all those people, have all those experiences, um, kind of influence this piece. And also with a lot of Kate's music, um, nature also influences. So you, with reflections, we can also think about uh, how 
um, color is reflected in water. And uh, she does this musically. She, she talked about it very early in our conversation about taking a melody and then putting it maybe a little bit later in a different key. So I don't know what section I ended up picking of this, but uh, you'll hear some melodic material being reflected um, later on. So she does that both musically, but it's a really beautiful piece. Um, yeah. And that's kind of all I have to say about it. Well, this is Reflections by Kate Nishimura. So, Kate, before we move on from uh, from our junior band section and talking about your your music here, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the um, uh, commissioning process. Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about the last time that we spoke, uh, and something that I talk about on nearly all of the Repertoire Happy Hour uh, podcasts, is you know that commissioning process and about bands and how bands that might not have considered getting involved in that process previously, maybe maybe they feel like it might not be what they are set up to do or that they feel comfortable doing tell me a little about the the commissioning process that you go through with a band and 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 what um bands could do to potentially work with you or work work with other composers sure uh i'll start by just saying that if if anyone who's listening um is interested in commissioning a new work not only by me but by any composer um I would suggest reaching out to them directly and just expressing interest, starting a conversation, letting them know, you know, uh, what you're looking for in a new work and why you hope to have this particular composer write that new work. Um, because I will say that, you know, the most meaningful collaborations are when uh, a potential commissioning ensemble or musician reaches out to me and said, you know, this is why I like your work. And this is why I want to work with you on this particular project. This is what we're looking for. So all the information up front, um, rather than just, you know, we're looking for a new piece and kind of free for all, anybody can do anything, but specifically I, I like your voice and this is, this is why I want to work with you. That's always a, a really meaningful way to get started. And I can't speak on behalf of every composer out there, but uh, the ones that I know anyway really like to hear from people. Composing is an independent activity that we spend a lot of time alone. So we really like to hear from people. Uh, so please always feel free to reach out directly to me. And I, I think my composer colleagues will, uh, will say the same. Um, but generally the process involves um, just establishing some uh, parameters for the work. So approximate 
uh, grade level or difficulty, duration, instrumentation, uh, a timeline is, is important as well, like how soon you would need the new work. Personally, I, I tend to be looking at least a year or more in advance. Um, not that it takes me that long to actually complete the work, but I, I like to have a lot of time to kind of let things brew in my mind. Uh, and for me, the process is very collaborative. Um, I get on a, a Zoom call if I'm not able to meet in person, which these days has been every meeting, and um, you know, get to know uh, the person or the ensemble. If it's a student group, that's even better because then we get on a, a video call with the students and they can ask me questions and I can ask them questions. Um, you know, recently I, or this year, I wrote a piece for a, a high school flute ensemble and the the entire idea came from the students because they told me what was, uh, what was important to them and what they valued about making music together and what kind of experience they were looking for. And I was able to draw inspiration from those conversations to create something that was really personalized for them that lots of other people are now going to be able to enjoy as well. So um, for me, it's not so much a, you know, I'm commissioning you to write a piece. Now you go off and do it and then give it to me when it's done. I really like for there to be uh, some more dialogue in that process. I think the first time that I ever reached out to a composer uh, was to Stephen Bryant when I uh, performed uh, Dusk uh, with the Midlands Wind Ensemble. Uh, and in his program notes, he, he said exactly what you were after saying there, which was, if you play my music, I'd love for you to reach out and let yeah. us know where in the world that, you know, the music has been played. And it's not something that I ever thought about doing before. And it's not something that I know that a lot of my my colleagues and maybe think about doing. But um, it just makes that performance so much more special when you've just connected, even if it's like two or three messages on Instagram or Facebook. Um, it just makes everything so much more meaningful. Um, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd fully encourage um, any of my my friends and colleagues out there uh, programming music by composers that you are inspired by or look up to um from experience i find that um you're all very nice people and, and like to <laughs> like to engage mostly. with their most <laughs> well this is this is the advantage to choosing works by living composers right is yeah, that you right. have the option to you know something in the score is a little bit confusing or something's missing or whatever it is and you can just ask take advantage of that <laughs> Keith, if I, on this commission thing, I, the, the piece that we heard that I selected, Kate, that was, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was a commission for it was. A, a, a school that another student of mine, um, Margot Northcott, uh, she, uh, she was one of my music education students at Western University in London, Ontario. And, it, you know, again, it's so fantastic to see that connection that you wrote that piece. But I, I, this was not a commission, but I have to tell you in case we, I forget about it because I forget about a lot of stuff these days. <laughs> um, during the pandemic, uh, you know, being in Florida, it's like there was no pandemic, but I won't get into <laughs> all of that. Um, I escaped twice and I drove up to Atlanta, Georgia. I have a lot of friends up there. And one of those people, Kate, is a guy by the name of Michael Hubner. He's at Kennesaw Mountain, and I know you know Michael, and I know you know that he put together a wonderful program for a virtual um, Georgia Music Educators Conference that they just had in the wintertime. And uh, they featured, uh, I believe it was Chasing Sunlight, is that right? Yeah. That would be the one, yeah. <laughs> I, heard, I heard their performance. I hope they sent you a recording. It's a wonderful school, wonderful ensemble, and they did a terrific band. And he was just so thrilled 
um, to have the communication, the interaction with you and preparing for this. Um, so, you know, that that probably from what I've seen in, in the band world, and we haven't really had this typical, you know, number of performances and festivals over the last year and a half, but that seems to be the popular tune that the bands are, are polarizing for, do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Of my catalog so far, yes, that is the by far the best seller. <laughs> there you go. But it, it will only go beyond that because people are going to hear some wonderful or they've heard two other great pieces today. Yeah, thank you, guys. Really appreciate that. <laughs> well, let's move on to our intermediate selections and let's maybe start with John this time. But before we get started with that, John, I wanted to talk to you a little about your um, career in concert band and, and wind ensemble um, music um in recent years i found um you know i was mostly associated with concert band here in ireland you know for for a long time with the irish wind wind orchestra and um in recent years because i've been doing a little bit more work with dci um now people come up and talk to me about marching band all the time if that's a problem for me i can only assume that it's a huge problem for you do you get an opportunity to work with wind bands and talk wind band and wind wind music much or um do you find yourself being swallowed up by drum corps and marching band yeah so i do have my feet in both worlds um mm -hmm. but my real day job is a concert band and and uh you know um teaching school you know i i taught for many years a high school band um the last five years of my career i i started teaching at the university level and um I was actually quite fortunate before I even got into the university. I, I took a year, a couple of years, and I, I worked for the government of Ontario and oversaw the uh, revisions to the arts curriculum. So what was being taught in all of the arts classes in all of the schools. So that took me away from you know conducting bands and, and that sort of thing. So through that, I stayed connected to it in the the marching world. But then uh, I had an opportunity to go and teach at the University of Western Ontario, taught some graduate music education classes, I eventually conducted one of the bands there. Um, I did my was doing PhD work at York University. I even taught a couple of years, um, the instrumental techniques class at the University of Toronto, while I was at the Ministry of Education. So every Friday morning, I'd leave my office and go over to uh, the faculty of music at U of T down in that basement, Dylan. You know, I forget yeah. what the Roy Neal room or whatever that place was down there. Yeah. And uh, I filled in for a couple of uh, our, our colleagues, uh, Jeff Reynolds and um, Cam Walter, uh, teaching those classes. So anyway, all of that was, um, you know, I, I've been a band conductor and music educator through my entire uh, life. Um, and it's been really rewarding. And it's been one of those things where um, the connections are just incredible, uh, like everywhere you turn. Um, and again, Kate, you're still, in, and Dylan, you're very young and you're, you're just getting started at this. So, you know, the longer you're in this business, you're going to realize that our world is this small. Um, it, you know, when we go to something like the Midwest Clinic or some other Ontario Music Educators Convention, it's just incredible to see how we all intersect. Um, and that's one of the great things about music education is that everybody's there kind of cheering each other on and supporting each other and collaborating. 
and, and, and especially as we come out of this pandemic, and I'll get off the soapbox here in a minute, but <laughs> as we come out of this, we all need to be there supporting each other because we're, we're gonna need everything um, that works, that everything that's gonna help us all to um, get to the students. At the end of the day, how are we gonna make a, a meaningful experience for the students? How are we gonna help them um, to feel good about what they are doing in their music classes again. And so I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities. It's been a challenge, but you know, we're gonna come out the other side of this, I think stronger and even more creative in the ways we, uh, we teach. So I'm looking forward to that. I think there's gonna be a huge party at Midwest this year <laughs> if we all get there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we even had a Canadian, we had a virtual, I don't know if Dylan and Kay were on, but we, the Mid Midwest went virtual this past year and we had a Canadian reception courtesy of Trisha Howe. And you mentioned the Canadian um, Band Association Repertoire Project. Well, Trisha is kind of the curator of that and she's terrific. I mean, it's it goes back um, to 2011 or maybe even sooner. Um, and you can see a lot. So for our listeners, I would encourage you to look up the Canadian Band Association Repertoire Project and you'll find, uh, if you like this kind of music that you're hearing today, you're gonna find a ton of other resources and um, really interesting pieces. You can hear them and you can see the scores in many instances. Mm -hmm. There's your plug, Trisha, if you're listening in today. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a host. I've been hosted at that uh, Canadian reception in person in uh, in in at Midwest as well. It's always it's always great food. Um, but uh, the Irish reception the night before is always uh, That's much the, biggest, the biggest challenge. <laughs> the biggest challenge to the Canadian rep <laughs> Canadian reception. Well, it's much better in certain ways. <laughs> in certain ways. <laughs> this morning, not so much. But... <laughs> yeah, well, you have to get ready for the uh, Canadian reception that night too. It's a long day. Um, so, John, let's talk a little bit about the intermediate selections then. And uh, I'm I'm into brand new territory here. These these next six pieces are all pieces that I hadn't heard of before uh, this week. So I'm excited to hear more about them from you guys. John, let's talk about your your selection at the intermediate level. You know, for uh, as a teacher, um, we often learn from our teachers. We often are influenced by people. Um, who are responsible for guiding us. Uh, I can say that about my experience um, in, in high school and on into college and university. Then when I first started out in my teaching career, uh, I had the very good fortune. I started in London, Ontario, and I, I had misfortune. And after my first year as being a, a high school band director, I was informed by the superintendent in like the last week of school that somebody else uh, with seniority had bumped me out of my position. And, and I, I went from being a high school band director to going and teaching at two elementary schools and, and beginning band. And, and, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so, I, you know, I struggled with that at first, but I, I, I think I became a better teacher because of that. And I, I realized, well, I don't really like the sound that these kids are making, so I better figure <laughs> out how to make this better, right? And so um, from that, I, I worked in the London school system for five years, and an opportunity came up for me to move to a school district that's back in the day, the Toronto District School Board was broken down into subdivisions based on what we called um, the suburbs. And there was this area of Toronto called Scarborough. Um, so people in the UK will refer to, you know, recognize Scarborough, I think it's on the east coast of England. Um, and, and Scarborough had an amazing infrastructure. 
they had a, a music coordinator, it was Frank Daly at the time. They had an assistant coordinator of music who was Donald Coakley. They had someone overseeing the, the, um, the choral program, somebody overseeing the strings. It was just an incredible hubbub. And they had music camps in the spring and it was just a wonderful place to go and, and get um, more experience as a teacher. And the person I'm um, speaking of specifically for the music I'm gonna to present today is Donald Coakley. Um, tell you a few things about Don. He's a Canadian composer. He, he um, grew up in uh, Cambridge, Ontario, but he spent a lot of his adult life in the United States in his early years as teaching. He went to the Crane School of Music at SUNY uh, State University of New York uh, in uh, uh, Potsdam, New York. Um, and that's uh, also where Elliot Del Borgo was, a number of other influential pieces uh, or people. Um, Don went to Philadelphia, uh, went to Temple University, and eventually ended up teaching at Temple University. Uh, but he came out of his experience at Temple University and started teaching at a high school, uh, Cardinal Dockery in Philadelphia. Um, and he really got into composition because he was influenced by a gentleman that many people will know in the person of Vincent Persichetti. And Persichetti had a, a profound influence on Don Coakley. And Don Coakley has had a profound influence on countless hundreds of, and thousands of, of music teachers across Ontario. Um, but it was just so cool because Don, you, you never questioned what he would tell you. He said, you're gonna conduct one of the all, uh, all city groups. Well, Don, you know, like Monday night, I, I, no, no, you're going to conduct one of the all city. Okay, I, I conducted one of the all city groups, you know, and you're going to play this piece. And you know, he would write something, and I, I feel blessed because I got to premiere some of his music. I got to play some of his music that he had premiered. Uh, one piece, Toccata Festiva, that was written for um, uh, Upper Canada College, um, that uh, I've played subsequently with some schools. A lot of people won't know Don's music, but he, he not only wrote for band, he writes for orchestra, choral music. He's been composer in residence for a number of orchestras, community orchestras. Just an amazing person and a wonderful artist, by the way, a realist artist. Uh, he goes every year to Italy, well, until recently, um, and just has a pilgrimage to Italy and studies the masters. And I think it influences his music because Don, you'll hear in this piece, um, there's a sense of craft to it. There's a sense of, of beauty in the way it's constructed. Um, there's even hints of Persichetti in terms of the harmonic uh, language that you'll hear. Um, Don uses a lot of what we call chordal uh, harmonic relations. He even wrote a piece called Chordal Sinfonia for band. That's, that's really another cool piece. Um, this one is lyric essay. And I, this resonates with me uh, a lot on an emotional level. I think it's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, it was written for a grade seven, eight band. So if you can imagine when you listen to this, young players, um, the Bliss Carmen band, in, in Scarborough. Um, and it's just incredible. Uh, I've used it on with honor bands before because it's something that people don't, aren't familiar with. It's, and yet it has value. Yeah, I think it's got an art, uh, an aesthetic and artistic value that's, that's so important. I think, um, I'll finish up, I've talked a lot, but I have to say I owe a lot to um, my teaching career to Don Coakley and the influences he had on me um, you know, as I it was in my late 20s, early 30s when I moved to Scarborough and and um, just being in that uh, that mix at that time was really amazing and something that I've carried through my entire career. 
Well, this is a lyric essay by Donald Coakley. So this was the first time, as I mentioned, that I had, that I had heard um, this piece. Um, there's a very traditional sound to it, John, um, almost sort of a Holst-like sort of sound to it in places. Um, uh, is that emblematic of a lot of Donald's music, would you say? No, this this one is, is really, what, as the title implies, it is a lyric piece. It's a lyric essay. You know, um, when we were going back to the young band, uh, music. You know, one of the things that, that didn't come up is that a lot of the um, uh, pieces for young band, Canadian pieces, are typically based on folk songs, folk music. And Don's done that with uh, um, La Claire Fontaine and uh, Donkey Riding and some of these other um, folk melodies. He actually wrote a beautiful um, uh, Canadian folk rhapsody that has a number of, of beautiful uh, folk melodies in it. So he extrapolates that. And, and I think Dylan and, and Kate would agree that, um, as I said, a number of, of, of what we'll call serious composers have written for young band, but it's usually a folk melody. It's usually a folk tune that, that they've done a kind of a, um, a, a beautiful arrangement of. Um, but, it, you know, in terms of originality, um, Keith, I would say this one is very uh, unique on its own. There's nothing else that he's written mm. Um, that I think is like this. In fact, many of his pieces have a lot of vertical aspects to it. There's a lot of, and, and, and as I said, it, the use of choral symphonia or choral um, harmonies mm -hmm. uh, is, is a kind of an, um, an, a characteristic that you would find with Don. But, uh, you know, for, for the band, this, this particular one, and both with Kate's and this one, you left what I think are the best parts, which is the beginning parts, because <laughs> you both tease it out. You don't know what's coming. Like at the beginning of Into the Blue, you don't really know that that poppy stuff is going to come later. It's, you know, it kind of, it, they they pull you in, they lure you in with this really interesting sound. The very, and, and as a clarinet player, you, I hope you heard the beginning of this piece, uh, Keith, because it's very transparent, very exposed clarinet writing um, that takes a certain maturity of sound. And, you know, it, it's one of the great things of using with an honor band, because you can really talk to the clarinets about playing in that shallow mode, how they got to get the air down to those fingers and push that air through the instrument, you know? So it's great. I, I just, um, I don't know why I, this piece resonates with me. And I think it's a, a very valuable one. If people are listening and looking for something unique to do uh, for a slower, more lyrical piece. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I must say, yeah, it's it's so difficult to to, to get the to get the uh, clips because it's some of these some of this music is just absolutely amazing. Uh, but there's always going to be links to the full pieces in the show notes. You can go and listen to our Spotify playlist, and there will be an Apple playlist this week as well. So you'll be able to find all, for all the music that is available on Apple and Spotify if it is available there. 
I don't want to dominate the conversation, but I will make this really quick. The, the person publishing this music right now, it used to be published by a, com a company that's out of business. So um, Don gave the rights over to a, a, another former student of mine. Man, I feel like the old guy on this. But, well. Um, David, yeah, I, I David Marlatt, um, who, uh, you know, when I started teaching at the Markham District High School, his father was a math teacher there. His his sister was in my band, Megan. His brother played in my band, it was trombone. David was going to elementary school. He used to come over Tuesday nights to the rehearsal and play cornet in the band. The, the whole family was into the music thing. Well, David started a music publishing business. He's the one, you know, now a lot of us are now self-published like Kate's music and so on, but David has this music publishing company, Eighth Note Music, and he's taken over the library of Don Coakley and Howard Cable and, you know, other amazing uh, Canadian composers. And so you, when you get the link, that recording, I think, is connected to Eighth Note Publishing. And there's, it's just a treasure trove, like the Canadian Band Repertoire Project, for other works by Canadian composers. So a little plug for my uh, good friend and, and former student, Dave Marlott. Well, John, there's no one like you for giving plugs. I must say, you're <laughs> fantastic at just... Just lining those up perfectly on every podcast that we've done so far. Um, Dylan, uh, let's hear from you and your intermediate selection. Yeah, um, well, it, it seems that tonight's theme is kind of Canadian connection. And um, certainly the uh, conductor-composer relationship is one that's quite symbiotic and one cannot survive without the other, really. Um, and... Uh, I was trying to find something a little zippier for <laughs> for this uh, grade three piece, but um, the problem is I'm 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 so blessed and lucky to be friends with Kate and with the composer I'm about to tell you about, and they give me the pieces before they come out, and I get really excited about them, and then they're like, "By the way, you can't can't talk about it." So <laughs> I've had to talk about another piece. Um, so this piece um, is called "A Winter Dawn," and it's written by E.K.R. Hamill. Uh, AKA Evan Hamill. Um, I'm originally from Prince Edward Island, which is Canada's smallest province. And so is Evan. So um, though we didn't grow up together, we met um, both as players in the Confederation Brass Quintet. So our summer job was to play quintet, which is a pretty great summer job. Um, so uh, he's a bass trombonist. Um, and then later ended up moving to Toronto to do his uh, composition degree at the University of Toronto while I was there doing my master's. So it just so happened that um, all the Islanders got together and we were all roommates. So we had um, quite an esteemed uh, apartment of Islanders. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when Stravinsky and all those people were living together, or sorry, Debussy maybe. Um, but uh, but Evan is, is a wonderful composer. Um, you've probably heard, if you listen to the uh, Bandroom podcast, his piece Skyline is actually kind of our theme music for the podcast. And Skyline was just a finalist in the Oscar Navarro International uh, Composition Contest. Uh, as well as uh, numerous of number of his pieces are featured in the Music Fest Canada syllabus uh, skyline, as well as the one by Matthew Emery, which I should know, but I can't. When remember. sun comes after rain. Thank you. Yes, um, this one, uh, uh, Winter Dawn, was um, commissioned by Canada's most hilarious and handsome conductor, um, me. <laughs> It was me. So um, I have a, a special connection with this piece. Um, it was originally a choir piece uh, and uh, then arranged for my ensemble, the Cambrian College Wind Ensemble, uh, in 2019. 
uh, and we were lucky to to, pre- to premiere it. And its its uh, original text is based off of uh, PEI's greatest export, which is the poetry of uh, L.M. Montgomery. And if you don't know who that is, she wrote Anne of Green Gables and and many other things. Um, but uh, it's based off this this beautiful poem of the same name, Walter Don, uh, and just kind of awakens feelings of 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 winter both uh, in its beauty but also also not not in its beauty <laughs> there was a number of uh, winters ago in prince edward island my dad sent me a, a picture there was snow past the door those kind of uh, winters we sometimes get but uh, in the midst in the midst of shoveling we still get to see its immense beauty um so this piece and if you don't mind i could i quickly read the poem it's very of course short. absolutely um, and I'm not like a great uh, poetry reader, but anyway, uh, so this is A Winter Dawn by Ellen Montgomery. Uh, Above the marge of night, a star still shines, and on the frosty hills, the somber pines harbor an eerie wind that crooneth low over the glimmering wastes of virgin snow. Though the pale arch of Orient the morn come in the milk-white splendor newly born, a sword of crimson cuts in twain the gray Banners, uh, banners of shadows host, and lo, the day. So that's a, a nice little poem by Ella Montgomery, um, and uh, yeah, it was it was it's a, it's just kind of another <laughs> slow piece, um, but uh, once again offers great opportunity to uh, emote and to work on those things as well as uh, tuning and intonation, um, because it this piece uh, kind of like Coakley's actually uh, offers opportunity of. Uh, great beauty but also dissonance with crunch where we have to resolve and and talk about those kind of things as well so here's winter winter dawn this is a winter dawn by ekrr evan hamill Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fantastic piece. This is one of the one of the pieces I enjoyed the most as I was putting putting it together. Um, and um, uh, it's not an e- it's not a piece that's easily available through SoundCloud and Apple and so uh, or through um, Spotify and Apple, but it is available on his uh, Sound SoundCloud account. And and some the, there's some great music there that's that's absolutely worth um, going over and and listening to. Um, uh, Dylan, you are. Um, taking a, a big career move very soon <laughs> i wanted to talk to you a little bit about that mm-hmm. um it's a it's it's a huge move and, and a big journey um ahead of you as well to to get down there tell me a yeah. little bit about it 
Um, well, I, I guess uh, before I say that, I, I'm very lucky to have spent the past three years as a head of winds and brass and a pre professor of music at Cambrian College, where if you blew into it, I, I taught it, um, so, which was a wonderful uh, learning experience for me, as well as I taught conducting at Laurentian University. Um, but uh, as, as uh, John has alluded to, both Kate and I are relatively young, so both of us are 91, 91 babies. Um, so I, I have <laughs> more to learn. Uh, so at the end of July, my goodness, it's coming up. Uh, I'll be moving to the great state of Arizona to pursue my doctor, doctorate of musical arts degree in wind conducting with a Canadian though. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so yes, yeah, so I'll be studying with uh, Dr. Jason Kassler, who's been a past guest on our podcast and uh, a wonderful colleague who I, before we we're in the teacher-student relationship. We, he was a great kind of mentor to me as an adjudicator at, at our first festival in Halifax. Um, so yeah, so it's it's uh, it's going to be a, an interesting move. We're trying to find if anyone's listening from Arizona and you have a free room, let me know. <laughs> uh, no, maybe not, unless you like cats and harp, which many people do. But um, but anyway, we're very very excited for the move. My wife and my little kitty cat Abby uh, will be doing that at the end of the month. And uh, and we were joking before we started recording that I'll be diving into the world of marching band with the 500 piece Sun Devils marching band, hanging out with Professor James Hudson. So that will be a lot of fun. That that journey with uh, with marching band, Dylan. There's a there's a whole podcast series in that. I think in itself that that journey that you're about to go on. <laughs> What's the name of it? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, finding Marching Band. I think it can be like a sister uh, podcast to my Finding oh, Mentor podcast. I was trying to line it up so I could plug your podcast. I thought that's what we were doing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I think you can have a sister podcast called oh, okay. Finding Marching Band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be good. It's okay. Now that John and I have reconnected, he's going to set me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk to Kate about your intermediate selection. Sure. So I've chosen a piece by Pete Meekin, uh, who is a dear friend of mine. And I won't get into the whole story, but I think I told it uh, on the Bandroom podcast before I was a co-host. Uh, so if people are curious about that story, they can go and, and listen to me ramble about that there. But uh, he's a big part of uh, why I decided to pursue composing full-time uh, was a huge influence for me there. So I thought I would give him a shout out. Um, but I've chosen a piece by him called ISS Flyover. And ISS stands for International Space Station. And so uh, this was written during a year when um, the International Space Station was going to be passing over and, and it was actually visible uh, from the Earth. And so that was sort of a source of inspiration for a lot of artists, including musicians and composers. Um, so what Pete did with this piece is he juxtaposed fast and slow. Um, so there's this really quick syncopated kind of rhythmic ostinato thing happening, which represents how fast the space station appears to fly by from Earth, but then with long lines as well, representing how slow the passing of time would feel for the people up in space. Um, 
And so really playing with that contrast of, of fast and slow. Uh, the recording uh, that I sent you, Keith, was by the Rouge River Winds, and they're a community ensemble directed by Pratik Gandhi in Scarborough, Ontario, John. <laughs> and that's actually where I was born too, so shout out to Scarborough. Um, but I, I played in that uh, community band for a while until I moved to uh, where I live now. So uh, shout out to them as well. And the piece itself was commissioned by a consortium of Canadian ensembles. So there's a, there's a lot of, as you said, Dylan, you know, Canadian connections here in this piece as well. Uh, but it's about a grade four level. Um, there are four percussion parts. It keeps everybody pretty busy and lots of contrast. So I, I really like this piece. So this is ISS Flyover by Pete Meekin. So this isn't the first time that Pete's music has been featured on the Repertoire Happy Hour as well. We had Song of Hope um, during our Hope podcast uh, back in January when we all felt we we wanted and needed a little bit more hope at the beginning of the year. Um, and Pete has been a, a, a podcast guest on the Global Band Room as well himself and Tom Devorn because Pete is uh, Pete's a UK based uh, a, a UK born and uh, and trained composer uh, from um, uh, uh, the Royal Northern uh, College of, of Music in, in Manchester, uh, but moved to Canada um, uh, in, in recent years. And what a great get for Canada. Uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Amazing music, amazing brass band music as well. And we need to yeah. start yeah. doing a little, a little bit more brass band music, I think, on the, on the podcast. We've had a, had a little bit of uh, brass band music, but we need to, need to get some more of uh, uh, Pete's brass band music, I also, think, on the show. Also. Uh, shout out to uh, more of Pete's music. He has a really wonderful kind of, well, grade five plus piece, his Corn uh, Symphony. Um, and it was recently, maybe last year, the year before, recorded by the our Royal Air Force Band here in Canada. And it's really a, an amazing CD if, if, if anyone's looking for some um, really kind of great repertoire also that ensemble is just I, I feel like more people need to know about it because so many people know about the american military bands and their excellence but um the, the canadian uh, military bands are also just so so good and this this cd is is a really fantastic addition to to that well i'll make sure that it's in the in the show notes and people will be able to find out more about that too um so we are on to our advanced selections and this time i want to start with dylan um dylan is this a level that you have an opportunity to work at very often um i know um uh, you are now 
uh, going to be going down to study wind conducting in, in Arizona. I, I'm sure this is going to be mm -hmm. a, a, a level that you're excited to be working in um, uh, even excited more. Is a word. Yeah. yeah, excited and scared. But it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we had just interviewed uh, Kevin Day this week for uh, next week's episode, and he has written a concerto for wind ensemble that um, that, that we're doing several performances of performances of it so many, uh, many of the graduate dma students will get a chance to dive in so that's both kevin and i were joking how funny it is and scary and exciting <laughs> all those things um but uh, i would say in my uh my early career uh i've certainly been able to do this music as as a guest um conductor many times uh, when i was in toronto um uh, out right out of my master's and not having kind of taken the traditional music education path. Uh, I had started a, a group called the Toronto winds, which was um, at that time, Toronto's only kind of professional wind ensemble. And it was a chamber wind ensemble. Um, so we had, uh, we, we had been doing this kind of uh, repertoire, uh, you know, uh, Adam Gorb, symphony number one, uh, those kind of things. Uh, and we've, yeah, easy eight. stuff. Easy stuff, and we've <laughs> I've, we've had the, the the great opportunity to commission eight pieces. One of them I haven't premiered yet, and will be premiered at ASU, um, as well as actually a piece by um, EKR Hamill. He he owes me a wind octet, so that will be coming <laughs> in the future. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my my background with with this level of music. Um, it's it's kind of what I started in, uh, even though I probably shouldn't have been, <laughs> but uh, but that's you know, I didn't know cocky trumpet player. <laughs> it's part. It's part of the breed, isn't it? It's part yeah, of yeah, the, yeah. the trumpet yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what 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 piece did you select then for for this level? Um, well, speaking of, of trumpet playing, before I was kind of on my music ed conductor route, I was I was to be a trumpet soloist was what I was going to be. Um, so I was lucky enough to compete uh, twice um, at the National Music Festival, which is kind of our. Uh, our, our national competition for solo playing. Um, so you, you compete at the local festival, then you go to provincials, then you go to national. So I was representing my province there. And uh, the first time I went was in Anaganish, Nova Scotia. And the guest speaker was uh, a gentleman by the name of Danuk Wujaratni. Um, and he had an amazing impact on me. And, and Danuk is a Sri Lankan-born uh, Canadian composer um, who for a long time was based in Halifax, uh, he was the conductor of the um, Nova Scotia Youth uh, Orchestra, as well as uh, he's a composer, of course, because that's why we're talking about him, uh, and a, a really excellent pianist. So he's kind of like one of these burnt Steinian kind of performers, a triple threat. And uh, he's also one of uh, our Juno award-winning composers. So that's the equivalent to a, a Grammy in the States um, for his music. And, uh, I've picked a piece called invisible cities that he, he wrote, and it was actually his first piece for wind ensemble. Um, and I, I, the reason I picked it is because I, I find Danook's writing, um, very not traditional for the wind ensemble, but yet not kind of all that stuff. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, as, as one of my colleagues calls it squeaks and farts music. Um, <laughs> But uh, but this piece, Invisible Cities, uh, was inspired by uh, Italio Calvino's book by the same name, Invisible Cities, which kind of tells the story of Marco Polo and his his adventures to different cities. So there's, I, I forget how many movements, maybe f four or five movements, each one depicting a different city. Um, so the, the movement I have picked is called Chloe. 
Uh, and this piece was written for, um, it was commissioned by uh, Dr. Darren Allerking at the University of Saskatchewan, as well as a, a great consortium of Canadian universities um, and uh, the Torque Percussion uh, Quartet, uh, which is a really, um, if you haven't heard of these guys, you have to go see them. They're amazing. And so many of my uh, wonderful friends in that group as well. Um, but it was kind of written for that group. So often this piece is not really performed without Torque. Um, except I'll break that rule in a second. But um, Chloe is kind of, it's kind of the groovy movement and it depicts a, a city, maybe not so much different from Toronto or New York, where occasionally when you're walking down the street, you might see a couple of characters. Um, so he, he kind of depicts these um, diverse characters musically. Um, so just a, a couple of, of them <laughs> from, from actually from the book, um, there is uh, a young man with white hair, a female dwarf, two girls, twins. There's a, a blind man with a cheetah on a leash. There's a bunch of strange things that we see uh, in this in this writing. Um, so Danuk uh, does this, and and the recording that you're going to hear is uh, I'll I'll make a special note just because this music is is so good. Um, the man himself. Jerry Junkin um, performed it with the University of Texas Wind Ensemble with, with a student, um, a very excellent student percussion group. And this piece actually um, is H.R. <laughs> uh, Reynolds, Robert Reynolds was um, asked about pieces that he really liked. And this this was one of the, the ones that he had mentioned too. So it has had its blessing from <laughs> from some of, uh, from the best in, in, our, in our world. So uh, it's a really fantastic piece and it'll have you It'll have you moving in your chair or your bed, wherever you are. Well, this is Invisible Cities by Danuk Wijerandi. So um, I will put a link to the YouTube clip of um, or a full recording, actually, of that uh, Invisible Cities, we, um, that that exact recording that that you mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's fascinating. It's as fascinating to watch as it is to to listen to. Um, it's just a, it's a it's a it's a great piece of music. Really enjoyed it. And thank you very much for uh, for recommending it. Uh, that's what I've really enjoyed about this podcast since we started back in uh, December is learning about all of this new music and and tonight as a perfect example of that. Um, John, let's hear about your advanced selection. You, you mentioned that they're all personal stories, so I'm interested to hear what, 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 what personal story is behind this one. Sure. So this one's a little, you know, this takes us, I'm going to be a little historical here because um, this piece was actually written in, not, so Dylan's was very recent. This, this piece originally was written for orchestra in 1961. Uh, by a gentleman uh, named Godfrey Rideout. And if, you, if anyone here is uh, interested and adventurous and wants to learn more about Canadian music, there's a wonderful institution in, in, in 
the whole country, but I, I know it as being uh, La Maison Chalmers in uh, Toronto. It's a Canadian music center. And you can go to their website, and, you know, and there are countless pieces for uh, band in their library. Many of them uh, don't get performed because uh, of either the challenges or people just aren't familiar or they don't, they're not drawn to the aesthetic. But when I was a kid, on Saturday mornings, the Toronto Symphony used to do um, student concerts. And um, you could go to a place called Massey Hall, which was this old, it's still there in Toronto. You could go to Massey Hall. And like for five bucks, you could get in and, and go to hear the Toronto Symphony. And my parents used to make me go to that. And I, you know, I wasn't really big on it, but, you know, I think it had a profound influence. And you always wonder when you're a kid, you know, is this the right thing my parents are making me do? Play hockey or go to orchestra concerts. But, you know, here I am. So um, I, I heard this piece. It wasn't in 1961. I'm not that old. But I heard this piece when I was a... Uh, youngster um, played by the Toronto Symphony and um, a gentleman by the name of Victor Feldbro was conducting. Victor was very, um, he had the long white hair, you know, flowing. He was a typical conductor. I ended up uh, playing in an orchestra and Victor Feldbro was our conductor for a while uh, when I played with Orchestra London for a while. I'm a trumpet player, by the way, Dylan. So, uh, uh, so um, this piece uh, is called Fall Fair. And I think it was a commission for um, by the uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation uh, for a, a concert uh, for the United Nations back in 1961. Um, I think it's got legs even today because um, what I like about it is the pacing. You know, as a band piece, it's been transcribed by a gentleman. I think his name is Earl Frelick, and the Canadian Music Center has subsequently published this uh, version, uh, so you can actually buy this. Um, used to be able to only get in manuscript. Um, but I think it's really great pacing. It's a good example of something that's celebratory, um, but has uh, some wonderful um, meter changes, but not too overt, not like we're used to with a lot of contemporary band music, very subtle things, and, and really a wonderful um, flowing uh, melodic line uh, that's there. So Fall Fair by Godfrey Rideout, I, you know, I, when I heard this, I thought, you know, maybe this is something I, I should get into. And it had that influence on me. So that's why I brought it out tonight. Well, the recording that we have here as well is conducted by one John Phillips. Uh, with oh, the, don't uh, use that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one the link. This was my Western band. This, these were all the music education students who <laughs> couldn't. I promise you that this, this, this particular <laughs> selection sounds, <laughs> sounds good. It's cool. Thank you. 
So that is Fall Fair by Godfrey Rideout. Uh, and John, that was uh, a recording that uh, with the with the Western University. Um, tell me a little bit about that recording. Yeah, those. So those kids were great. They were mostly music education majors. We had to fill some holes with kids who were just on campus. We, I remember going um, in August, you know, we, the first year I was there, this was on the first concert we ever did. And, um, you know, we go to the auditions. And so I had uh, uh, some of you, uh, and Dylan and uh, Kate will know, uh, we had Alain Trudel, he was doing the orchestra. Um, so Alain would take the cream of the crop, you know, for the orchestra, the wind players, and then Colleen Richardson would take the next batch. And then and then the, the jazz guy would take that. So everyone who was left over was in the band I conducted. And it was fine. I mean, it was great. I mean, you know, they were, they were terrific and they were keen. Their attitude was wonderful. Um, but you know, it was it was a real eye opener in that first rehearsal, and you go, "Oh gosh, what have I got myself into?" Because you're already <laughs> programmed. The music's in the folder. We're going with this. <laughs> uh, and like I said, this piece was a healthy um, blend of technical and and musical challenges. Um, uh, so the experience at Western was was truly amazing. Just just Friday, what's today, Saturday, just yesterday, actually the Dean of Music, uh, Betty Ann Yonker, uh, officially retired and we had a virtual uh, retirement party yesterday. So it was really great to be online with everybody because everything's virtual these days. Yesterday, um, just to see so many former faces, some of the professors who were there when I was a student there uh, were, were on, the, on the Zoom, which is, is truly amazing including my music ed mentor, um, Harold Fisk. I share, and when I went back to teach there, it was great. I was a student there when I went back to teach there. I shared the office with my music ed, psychology and music education prof. So, you know, the world is full circle. I feel really blessed to have had that experience. And I, that's why I think this, that particular piece kind of is full connection for me. I really enjoyed listening to it, and thanks, thank you for 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 that selection, John. So before we move on to our final selection um, of the, <clears throat> let me just talk a little bit about the sponsors of both this podcast and all of the podcasts um, that I produce. Um, Kaleidoscope Adventures. Uh, Kaleidoscope Adventures took me on as part of the team uh, back in January of this year, um, and they are based in Orlando, Florida, not far from where John is, mm-hmm. uh, and they are specialists in student and performing arts travel. So if you've been so inspired by all of this Canadian music tonight that you want to take your band and go to Toronto and uh, do concerts in in Canada and uh, get a get a get a great band tour or choir tour or orchestra tour uh, into uh, Canada. You can contact Kaleidoscope Adventures and you can work directly with me and the team there uh, as well. So you can go to kaleidoscopeadventures.com and find out more about the team. Um, so. Uh, what I love about this podcast is that I throw out a theme um, to um, the guests, and I don't give much uh, direction as to what uh, pieces need to be picked, um, other than a, a general theme. And this this uh, this week was was Canada, so um, you know most of the composers that we uh, picked were uh, Canadian Canadian composers. And the next one is a very famous Canadian composer, Jody Blackshaw. Uh, of course, <laughs> she's not Canadian at all. She's from the total opposite side of the world. So I was interested to see. Um, uh, Kate said that there wasn't this wasn't a Canadian composer, but that there was an important uh, connection uh, with this piece. So, uh, Kate, I wanted to finish up with this piece tonight and talk a little bit about uh, Jody's uh, Jody's piece. Sure. Uh, yeah. So Jody Blackshaw is an Australian composer and 
wonderful educator. I, th I think that she would agree that she is an educator first and that she educates through the music that she creates. Uh, and this piece is no exception. The piece that I chose is called Peace Dancer and it's about a grade five level piece. It was a commission for Dr. Rob Taylor at the University of British Columbia, as well as a consortium of other participating ensembles. Um, and the, the title of this piece shares a name with the title of a book by uh, Canadian author Roy Henry Vickers, who's from the Squamish Nation in BC. And um, what I really admire and respect about this particular work by Jody is that contained in the score, in the conductor's score for this piece, there's not only detailed performance notes, like bar by bar, uh, indicating, you know, a specific entry by a specific instrument and how they should, uh, how they should approach it. So that's incredibly helpful to the director and to students, but there's also information about <clears throat> moral rights, um, where to purchase the book, uh, connections to First Nations and Indigenous communities in Canada and beyond. Um, she really has done a great job of presenting this in a way that ties directly back to the original creator of the stories that are included in this work. Um, the piece has been performed in the Squamish Nation and she actually told a beautiful story about it on our podcast, uh, the Band Room podcast, uh, in one of our recent episodes, we were fortunate enough to have her as a guest and have her talk about this piece. Um, but I've I've come to fall in love with the piece itself. It's a, a lyrical selection. Uh, she calls it a, in quotes, gentle, humble work. And so maybe this is a little bit different to, you know, be the finale of our uh, selections this time, but I, I just felt that it was important to bring up this connection to a side of Canada that I think is especially timely right now. Uh, and it's also an opportunity for, as we've talked about throughout, social emotional learning and interdisciplinary collaborations and intercommunity collaborations and things like that uh, for students and professionals and everybody really. So um, yeah, shout out to Jody. Uh, this, is, this is a really beautiful and meaningful work. So I, I first became aware of Jody's um, music about uh, four years ago, um, and uh, at the time I wasn't actually uh, conducting any any bands. I was mo mostly working in administration at that at that stage. But since uh, since then, I, I've, as as I've mentioned before, I've started working with a with a youth band here in Ireland. And uh, although we've missed the last fifteen months, it looks like we're soon going to be able to get back together. Um, and I'm I'm 
I, I really want to program some of Jody's music. Um, it strikes me that Jody's music requires more from the educator, requires more from the conductor than mo- than a lot of uh, other uh, junior band music or um, uh, um, uh, e- easy easier music for students. In that there there is this engagement, there is this um, this thoughtful uh, approach to actually getting off the, the the podium and actually working with the with the musicians have have um has anyone here had an opportunity to program jody's music in the past and, and workshop her music i i haven't programmed her music but we had uh jody at western while i was there and it was just a wonderful experience uh, we had her michael colgrass you know is another uh He's not really Canadian, but he lived in Canada for most of his time. And, um, you know, they they just were wonderful in terms of um, prompting the creative thinking among our music education students. And and Kate makes a really good point about her music being um, informing uh, the students. It gives them something. It, it helps them to learn uh, um, through the music, not just yeah, and, and about the music and mm-hmm. in the music. I think those are really key things rather mm-hmm. than just. Like we see, you know, you go to the Midwest sometimes and you hear great performances, but if, if you were to ask the kids anything about the piece, they might not be able to tell you anything, you know? So um, that's a whole other story. But uh, I think that's the thing about Jody is that um, she was really, you know, she reaches the students on, a, on another level, which is fantastic. Yeah, I think it's impossible to play a Blackshaw piece without knowing what it's about, without knowing what you're doing. There's like, I don't think it would even be possible. I mean, there are varying degrees to, you know, the amount of research or uh, supplementary education and things like that, that you can do with these pieces. But at, at the bare minimum, I still think that it's, you know, just integral to the, the music itself to know what it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that's one of her strengths for sure. Yeah. And I, I, uh, like one of the clips that we posted of our conversation was her, she was very passionate about this one, like 30 second thing I posted. And and it was about writing music that has a why, because what's the point if we're just giving our students music that doesn't have that. Um, and you talked about it has more involvement for the director, but it also has more involvement for the students because they're part of the creation process. And a lot of Jody's music, be it uh, Bella Sunwoman or any of those teaching performance, uh, through composition, pieces that she's done um and then the last thing i, I just want to say about jody because she's she's just one of those people i've only met once but it's been so greatly impactful and um the, the peace dancer i'm uh, kate and i are part of a committee that are looking at the music fest canada syllabus and adding things but also subtracting problematic pieces and uh, i'll be talking about peace dancer on monday because it's uh, a great piece but it's also uh, when we're talking about using music from different cultures, I think it's a, a great kind of, um, not to-do list, but a way of showing how we can do it with showing respect to those cultures and those communities and not just kind of take the music. Um, but it's, as as Kate said, just the program notes are uh, amazing for that piece. Um, and, and Jody's amazing. Well, thank you so much to um, 
everyone, to all three of you for your selections tonight. Um, all of the show notes, um, all of the links to all of these recordings and full recordings and uh, better quality recordings will all be in the show notes and you'll be able to uh, f- find them there. Again, you can find the playlist on uh, Spotify uh, under Repertoire Happier and also as of next week, the Apple playlist as well. With, is, is, you can find that in the same place. Repertoire Happier. Most people that have been listening to the podcast have been finding it in the global band room stream but we do have our own repertoire happy hour stream now as well so you can find it there on um your favorite podcast app as well and lastly before i um hand over to um, my guests for their sign offs and tell me about what they're up to and where we can find out a little bit more about them this week on june 23rd we launched uh, episode one of season two of finding drum core which is dci's uh documentary podcast that they uh that the global band room produces and one john phillips is a a guest on many of the episodes of that as well as over 30 other guests that we've interviewed for uh for that eight-part documentary series which releases every wednesday between now and dci finals and this year we focus on uh, the celebration tour we focus a little bit on the phantom regiment we're learning about the front ensemble dylan you'll learn an awful lot about uh marching band (laughs) in this podcast Uh, and we have a, a special episode this year on the instep um, uh, and the extended uh, capacity of instep, the instep committee for DCI this year, uh, which is all about diversity uh, and inclusivity in the activity of drum corps. So uh, if you are new to drum corps, it's the perfect place to start. But if you have been years involved with drum corps, it's a great place to uh, have a listen to uh, what's happening right now and how the corps are getting ready for a uh, John, I think it's fair to say a very different sort of season this year, but a very exciting one at the same time. So let's start right there. John, what are you up to this summer? <laughs> well, actually, just before the podcast, I was dealing with some some business for DCI. But, you know, it's going to be exciting. Uh, it won't be competitive, but I think that the groups, um, they're, they're starting to assemble now. Uh, Kate and Dylan, this may be like outer space to you. <laughs> what is it? What are they talking about? But it's basically it's a marching band, if you can think of that. Uh, very highly competitive, and they do it every summer. And, and you know, that's where I got my start when I was 10 years old. I, my brother drove me down to a fire hall. They put a bugle in my hand, and I never looked back. Um, so really, that's where I started in music. Uh, so it's been in my blood. Um, so, you know, Keith, we're doing a lot of uh, interesting projects with that. Um, we're go- we're going to be holding the first ever, for anybody who's listening, I'll put another plug in here, um, World Judging Symposium. So for people who are interested in the competitive side, we're going to pull the curtain open and let you learn about what the judges do and how they make their decisions and so on. And it's geared towards the general public to learn about that. So um, we think that's going to be an interesting project, and we're being sponsored by Con Summer to do that. Uh, uh, so we're pretty excited about that project. Uh, DCI is ready to ramp up. And the last thing I wanted to say about what I'm up to is uh, on Monday, I'm going to be going to the Florida Bandmasters Association Summer Conference. The keynote speaker and clinician for this year is Timothy Rainish. And I know you know him very well. He's been on your podcast, uh, Keith. And we had him up as one of our guest conductors for the Unionville Wind Conductor Symposium that we ran for 10 years prior to becoming the Ontario Band Association Conductor Symposium. We had everybody from John Painter and Gene Corporon and Alan McMurray and, you know, you name them, Craig Kirkhoff, all those uh, conductors over the uh, years. We brought them to Canada so that 
our colleagues could um, benefit from their expertise and didn't have to pay the expense of doing that. And, the, and the, the real key for that was that my students at Unionville had those expertise with them for three days. And it just made us all better as educators and as students. So I'm excited about seeing Tim again because, you know, he's a character, Keith. He, he is. And if you haven't heard the, the final episode of Global Bandroom season two, uh, Tim was the, was the guest there. And it's uh, it's just a great, great episode. The, the man is the funniest person I know in <laughs> uh, in, in the wind band world. He's he's amazing and so modest. And um, yeah, I, I can't say enough about Tim. I, I, I could spend, spend the whole podcast talking about him. Um, Dylan, uh, what are you up to this summer, <laughs> apart from a small journey south? Wait, wait. Let's see if I can do this. Those are boxes. More boxes. Yeah. So my uh, my summer is mostly right now planning for the big move. Um, other than that, lots of podcast stuff. We're um, we're trying to kind of make it more of a back catalog, so August can be dedicated to settling down and all that stuff. Um, but other than that, uh, I'm writing an article on podcasting in the band room, which will be featured hopefully if I do it well in the Canadian Winds Journal, which is one of the things that we talk about on our podcast as a resource of the um, Canadian Band Association, which you can get on their website. Um, so those kind of things. Also, I probably shouldn't admit this on the air, but getting back in trumpet shape, um, <laughs> uh, part of my doctoral studies, my secondary, my secondary area of study is going to be trumpet. So I'll be studying with Joe Bergstaller, um, who was one of the trumpet players in the Canadian brass for a long time and I'm kind of an international soloist. Um, and as well as his DMA students, I'll be get to hang out with. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what my summer is going to be. It's not terribly exciting. And, uh, a uh, little known fact about me, I'm obsessed with fishing. So I do a lot of fishing. Will there be much fishing in Arizona? Uh, I've looked it up. It's about, you know, it, within within Tempe, there's uh, the Tempe Town Lake, which is kind of nasty looking. But uh, there's that. And then there's a couple of lakes. And of, of course, in, uh, northern Arizona is quite famous for their fishing. Um, but yeah. Excellent. And Kate, um, what does the summer of 2021 have in store for you? Well, I've uh, right now I'm focusing on rest. Um, I've just finished a major work. Uh, I, I'm going to announce it now because I think I can start doing that. Dylan's making an excited face. <laughs> I've kept Not it on our secret. podcast. I've kept. I, oh, it'll be <laughs> on our podcast next week. Okay, fine. I promise. It's been a secret for a very long time. What um, a guess. So, so I was. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of exclusivity here, Keith. Um, no, I was commissioned by the Midwest Clinic uh, to write a new piece for the 75th anniversary uh, this December. So I've just finished that piece. Uh, so I'm now taking a bit of a break uh, before jumping into anything else. Um, but I'm excited to get started um, writing a couple of new pieces that I'm I'm really excited about. They're all commissions uh, from ensembles and organizations that are, you know, I have a personal connection to. So it's meaningful work for me. Uh, I'm tending to my first ever vegetable garden in my backyard this summer, uh, hopefully enjoying some camping and hiking. As most people know, those are my favorite things to do outside of music. Um, and uh, practicing the banjo, trying to, you know, renew my relationship with music that isn't just writing music, but that is, you know, create playing it uh, and listening to it and, and things like that. So that's is banjo fun. new for you? 
Yeah, I banjo was my like quarantine hobby um, that I just started this year, and uh, it's it's a highly unlikely activity, mm -hmm. I think, for <laughs> for me and most people who know me. But it's been really really fun to be a beginner at something again and to just try something completely different outside of my my usual stuff. So um, yeah, just trying to keep it fresh and always do something new. Well, I, I bought a guitar with my daughter. Um, so awesome. I am brand new. So you know those clarinet players trying out the strings? Yeah. And my daughter, my daughter's, uh, my daughter's beautiful red guitar. Oh, yeah. Um, so we, 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 we practice for five minutes every day before our fingers get sore. And, oh, that's amazing. Um, you know, we're, we're going to increase that to seven minutes by the end of the, the month, I think. Uh, so um, thank you so much to everyone for joining me. This has been absolutely wonderful. If you're looking for links to any of Kate's or Dylan's or John's work or projects, you'll be able to find them all at theglobalbandroom.com. And uh, thank you so much. Have a great month. Have a great summer. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye -bye. Thank you, Keith. Thanks, Thank Keith. You. Bye -bye.